You're listening to 30 Minute Expert. I'm Katie. And I'm Zach. Every episode, I challenge Zach to become an expert on a totally random topic. And if that's not hard enough, I only have 30 minutes to do it. We want to prove that no matter who you are, or how much education you have, with a little help from the internet, anyone can become an expert on any topic in the world. Happy April, Zach. Yeah. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Let's get specific. The truth is, it is Easter today. Tomorrow yeah. it will be Easter Monday. So happy Easter Monday to all of you who are loyal listeners who listen on the first day. Yeah. Probably most of you don't care it's Easter Monday, but it is. So deal with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right. So we have established off air that you are going to be doing the studying and the teaching this week. Are you mm-hmm. ready for that challenge? I, I am. I'm in the mood to teach some lessons. Okay. Well, I've got a. Um, I've got what I think is a pretty cool topic that... Cool. I hope you're interested in. Um, I hope so too. So I've, I've, I, I remember hearing this fact when I was a little kid and being just astounded by it. And um, we may have even mentioned it on here one time. But anyway, the fact is that matches were invented way after lighters were invented. Oh, isn't that kind of weird? Yeah. And again, I'm feeling like we talked about this, but if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. I mean a ma- like a, a I mean a lighter is is so crude. It's it's something flammable and a flint to strike it. Whereas a match is all of this chemistry and it's got to be really like manufactured like you know it's just I don't know. It sounds crazy but then when you think about it it's like oh yeah, I guess that would kind of make sense. And again, you got to think of like a primitive lighter, not a plastic Bic lighter that I cost a dollar twenty nine, you know. That's what I was thinking of and I'm, and obviously that seems so much more modern yeah. than a match. So what I'm wondering is how the heck um what makes a match light? I want you to teach us about matches where I mean you can get to the bottom of that little that little fact of okay. you know yes. matches v lighters, but who invented them? Where did they come from? How did they work? How did they first Okay. Invent that I'm feeling process. nervous about the science of this. I wouldn't be nervous. I can't... I, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking you're not going to find all of that much. Like, it's probably it's probably yeah. an interesting history, but uh, sparsely documented, you yeah. know, to the point exactly. where, like, it's, yeah. there's not going to be that much out there. This seems like one yeah. of those things where you're going to read three websites and they're all going to tell the same exact story yeah. where it's like, okay, one person told the story one time and that's... That's it. Hopefully there's a Maybe fun not. story behind it. I hope so too. Yeah. And 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 yeah, I'm not going to be able to explain how fire works. I'm just realizing and I don't think anyone's going to expect that of me. No, we don't care how fire works. You don't care? Or you well, just not know in the context that you can't of this understand. episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't 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 go into the detail of what fire is or how it, how it's operating, but um I won't. But yeah, more just like what is a match? Mm-hmm. How does that how does that light off the little back of the book? You know, I hesitate to even say this because I'm really just setting myself up for failure. But um, something that I never knew about until the past couple of years, and you seem to know about because you're like, oh, yeah, of course, that thing, um, is matches, strike anywhere matches. Mm-hmm. And that seems really crazy to me. Why can you strike them anywhere? Yeah, I don't know. I mean... You can't really strike them anywhere, though, right? Practically. Really? Well, I mean, you can't strike them on, like, a pillow. You know, it it needs to be friction. But I guess if you think about it, what's the little strip on the back of a matchbook besides just a friction point? 
I don't it's it's know. kind of surprising that matches can't just light off of anything. I thought it was made of something special. See, maybe I should learn about maybe matches. Maybe it is. Clearly, I thought that I thought those two things were made of something special, and you put them together, and there's fire. Okay, look, we've established that we need this episode. Yes, because we're we all to in learn. the dark. So, um, I would say get to learning. Okay, maybe. I will. Okay. Mm-hmm. when I, I mean, just for lighting candles is what I use matches for. And um, every time I've, I notice that they smell good. Yeah. Don't they those, smell good? Particularly definitely. good? Yes. I actually. Weird. I hate the smell of, a, not the smell of a burnt match, but I hate the like first whiff you get off of a struck match, how it like burns the inside of your nostrils. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know if it's sulfur or what. I might you know might what know, you're talking about. But it's about. like that first, no. like, I think the, the smell of a match lit, waved out, just in a room, like, I like that smell. But mm-hmm. when you first strike a match, I always, like, turn my head away because there's just that initial, that initial hit you get that, like, I don't know, it, like, bothers me. It's like, like in a nails on a chalkboard way where I'm like, oh, I hate this. I think I know what it is. Um, remind me later because I don't want to say it right now because it's going to involve some explanation, but remind me later. Okay. Okay? All right, cool. So let's start... Oh, let's start with this first fact that I wanted to put out there because we meant... You mentioned lighters and whether matches came before or after lighters, and I did not do any research on lighters, so I don't want to, like, build up to it and get all excited, but I do want to say that I did see and look into very slightly lighters just to find out the answer to your question and um it's so oh don't break my heart no no lighters were invented before matches very recently before matches so i saw in a few places that the first lighter was invented in 1823 and the first matches as far as we will consider the invention of matches mm-hmm. was 1826 so oh, wow. that's yeah, very that very close. Extremely close there's another thing a couple places i saw the quote-unquote cigarette lighter was invented in 1816 um i didn't look into what makes the cigarette lighter different than the other lighter but the point is whether it's 1816 1823 this is all very close to when matches were invented so it's all right around the same time maybe the cigarette lighter is portable or even, um, I don't know, like there could be a lighter that has a more industrial application for lighting your stove I, or something like that. Like I have maybe, no idea. Yeah. I didn't look into I'm just, it. So. I'm just spitballing. Yeah, I, I really don't know. Um, but so, yeah. So, yes, lighters came first. Aha. But also, surprisingly close in time, right. I thought. Um, cool. So, let's talk about matches matches did take a long time to come around right as i just said if we're using 1826 as the starting point of them which we are 
uh, that's pretty late in terms of human development. Yeah, especially when you consider the fact that humans have always needed fire to survive. Yeah, per- yeah, pretty much. Oh, I'm 100%. Like, who yeah. who didn't need fire? Yeah, they all needed fire. Well, actually, I did see, <laughs> I didn't want to get into this because it's like going back too far, but humans didn't have fire for a while. And um, Well, I guess that's true. Before fire... Well, and honestly, the thing I read said that, so you know how all human, all humans and humanity started in Africa, and it said that having the ability to use fire uh-huh. kind of almost allowed humans to travel beyond Africa. Because Africa is, like, pretty warm, I guess, um, at least probably where humans yeah. were there. And so once we got fire, then we could, like, kind of start moving around, which is really fascinating. Like, fire really created the beginning of, you know, globalization and humanity yeah, as that we is know cool. it. I know. Anyway. Wow, I we didn't went want to go, way back. I know. I didn't want to go that far back. But we are going pretty far back now. Jumping ahead very far from there, but still far away from here. Um, we're going to 5th century China. So there, there is evidence. I mean, this is true. This is just a fact that in China, as, as far back as the 5th century, maybe earlier, they had little wooden sticks that were coated in sulfur that they would like carry around or whatever uh-huh. and um if there was a fire already if something already was on fire they could use this little wooden stick to they would light this little wooden stick and it would like burst into flame so it could be helpful i guess maybe to light other things on fire it would be a good bright light to use okay um but they but it wasn't um, self-igniting, right? Like some, It needed you, to be lit off of a fire. Yes, exactly. So still handy, I think. They, they called them light-bringing slaves or fire-inch sticks. This could also be Western mistranslations of Chinese Yeah, that words. sounds pretty funky. Yeah, it's kind of weird. But so it seemed like a very handy thing, but but it still wasn't, you know, what you, what you really wanted, which was like to be able to create the fire itself. Would it burn super quick? Like, these things seem kind of pointless if, I don't know, I'm picturing them flaring and burning for, like, four seconds and I then just know. going out. I mean, But if it stays have, lit for a minute or two, then I could see how that would be helpful. They must have had a point because why would they have made them? This is, this is very true. So now we're going to jump far, far ahead again. So we were in the 5th century. Mm-hmm. This, this episode is going to be me spitting out a lot of dates and then telling you what happened <laughs> at that date. I don't know why, but that's how it became. So we're jumping all the way to 1669. That's far from the 5th century, That's a big right? leap. Big, big leap. So we're in Germany now. There's a man named Hennig Brand or Brandt, also known as Dr. Teutonicus. Why? No idea. Teutonicus? Yes. I, like, literally, That's that That's just an like, AKA on his Wikipedia page? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so Not weird. even Wikipedia, but yes. Yeah. The page. No explanation. Um, so he was an alchemist. Do you, and you know what alchemist deal was? Yeah. I mean, it's like what a like chemist was, right? Kind of. Um, alchemy was, at least like way back in the day when it first started, alchemy was people who tried to create gold. Like they tried Oh, that's to, like the definition of alchemy is like literally yeah, trying to create I'm gold? I'm pretty sure that's the original okay. alchemy. Um, that's definitely what this guy was. He His goal in life was to create gold. Mm-hmm. And create meaning like take something that is not gold and somehow through some chemical 
whatever, turn it into gold. As we know now, this is impossible because gold is is an element. Right. And so it's not you comprised of parts. Yeah, exactly. You can't make it out of anything. So, but this guy, listen to this is his idea. And I promise this ties into matches. Horrifyingly, it ties into matches. Oh dear. So he he wants to make gold, right? And so he decides this is how I'm going to make gold. He allowed a vat of urine, human urine, to just sit around until it putrefied. Then he boiled it. He boiled it down to a paste. Oh I really God. hope that was a very well vented room because that's disgusting. This is so gross. And a paste? Yeah, so he heated it Ugh. to a high temperature. So basically it got down to yeah. as little just liquid reduced, as possible. Yeah. And he was hoping it would turn into gold. Turn like he was hoping that would be gold. Yes. Just yeah. pee that's Turn, putrefied and then gold. boiled down. Yes. Spoiler alert, he was wrong. Also, he is dumb? I would... Th- I mean, I don't know. I mean, who knows what the education levels were back then, but... I mean, maybe someone has to test it. Now we all know urine doesn't turn to gold and we could thank this guy. Whatever. The point is he didn't get gold. He did get a waxy white substance that glowed in the dark, which is kind of terrifying. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Well, probably his pee because all he does is play (laughs) with rare and dangerous chemicals all day. No, I guess it's probably in all of our pee. It's phosphorus. It's it's an element. Um. And it and actually it was one of the first elements to be isolated, other than those that just exist and you know that exist on their own in in nature. So what do you use this wax for? Um, I don't Canning? know if he used anything, used it for anything, but he did know that he discovered phosphorus. Basically, it's like when you evaporate all the urine, it there's like ammonium, sodium, hydrogen, phosphate. And then when you heat that, it basically he like heated it, um, and he was able to have it decompose all the way down to just white phosphorus. Well, then I guess I should take back what I said about him because if he was able to take human urine and reduce it down to a single element, then why not gold? It, it's kind of well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. who would have thought he'd be able to boil it down to just a clump of pure? I don't know if it was pure, but a clump of this is just phosphorus, you know? Yeah, so, you know, he did something right. I still think he's wild, though, for the record. Yeah, so we're hopping ahead now to 1680. So basically that discovery of phosphorus kind of got out. I think at one point he, like, sold it. I I don't know how you sell the idea, but, yeah. So um, it kind of got out. They they found out easier ways (laughs) slash less disgusting ways to make to get phosphorus isolated like that. Um, so by 1680, a guy named Robert Boyle, um, he coated a piece of paper, I guess, with um, a piece of paper with that phosphorus. And then... With that guy's pee? Yeah. Okay. No, we're beyond the pee now. They got it we're from... We're only 11 years later. This pee sources. lasts, I'm sure. So he, he would... He put the phosphorus on the paper and then would draw, like, uh, drag a wooden stick across it and it would burst into flame. Really? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Phosphorus is very unstable and very dangerous, as we will learn. But yes, so that happened. So just pure phosphorus spread on a piece of paper and then dragging a stick through it and it was bursting into flames? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So 
I'll talk about the well. I'll talk about it later about phosphorus. Okay. So um, put a pin in phosphorus. Put a pin in that smell that yeah. comes off of a burning match, <laughs> which surprisingly enough, also phosphorus. Got it. Um. So now we're at eighteen oh five. So we popped forward quite far. We mm-hmm. were at sixteen eighty. We're all the way at eighteen oh five. Eighteen oh five was in the first um, the first self igniting match was invented. Now, but remember, I told you it was 1826, right? Why yeah. did I lie to you? I don't because know. I'm wondering that. This first one um, was a chemical match, not a friction match. So the friction matches are what we know of today. Yeah. They work from friction. The, this did not work from friction. This first match was the guy uh, in, in Paris. His name was Jean Chancel. Um, he coated the head of the match which probably was like i don't know some kind of wooden stick or something um with a a mixture of things potassium chlorate sulfur rubber and sugar and then he you could dip the tip of the match into i don't know exactly what this means but a small asbestos bottle filled with sulfuric acid so okay. let's just say these things do not sound safe, right? Yeah. This isn't the kind of thing that you're like, yeah, just grab it out the counter. Who cares? Like, it's not a great thing to have around. So that's why, yes, great, you could create So fire. you would dip that in there and it would and just combust. And it would combust. light on fire. Yeah, which wow. also is like, yeah, not safe, right? You kind of don't want things that just combust like that around your house. No, it's not the most... Not uh, a safe environment. Yeah, it's not safe. So cool that you could create fire like that but not uh very practical yeah uh i mean i guess it would be kind of practical if you just had a little uh vial of that sitting on your kitchen counter i mean if this is 1805 and it's like you have a little vial of that you have a little box of the sticks over here and anytime you need it you just dip it in and it catches fire i guess but from what i've heard of sulfuric acid from the little i have from the Uh. culture i don't think you want it on your counter I know. I think you want it far from yourself. This guy was boiling his pee just a few decades earlier. Part of the problem. So then, a few years later, in 1828, um, a new chemical match came around. This one, yeah, baby, even more ridiculous. If you ask me, Um, this is now we're with Samuel Jones in London. He had a small glass capsule. Basically, I'm picturing it like a little pill, but but a glass. And it had uh, sulfuric acid coated with indigo in it and then potassium chlorate. And it said all wrapped up in rolls of paper. So I, don't, I guess it was like a little roll of paper with this little pill inside. Do you think like tiny actual pill sized or larger than that? I, probably pretty small because okay. what you did was you used a pair of pliers and crushed the glass and it would light on fire. Whoa. Yeah. That's so cool. It's cool but also terrifying. Like not safe at all maybe that's like what magicians use you know when they just like snap yeah. their fingers oh and i'm sure it's similar flame stuff puffs. um but that's yeah interesting. so so yeah uh, yeah but you're right not practical at all not practical not practical so now let's get into 1826 where we want to be with john walker um in england he's a chemist the johnny walker I wonder. I don't think so. Let's assume yes. I'm assuming it's not. We both can assume whatever we want. Um, he, so he is a chemist. I guess he was tasked with 
Maybe he chose to do it. I don't know. <laughs> um, with coming up with um, an ex- he was working on a paste to be used in guns. Maybe, like, instead of gunpowder, like, working on some kind of paste or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was working on this paste, and he's, like, stirring it with a with a wooden stick. And uh, at one point, he, he had the stick out, and he went to, like, scrape it against his hearth to, you know, get the junk off yeah. it, I guess. And it lit on fire. Dang, and that's, that had to have been crazy. That's literally how. Ha- that's the invention of Matt. That's a matches. great story. You were yeah. hoping for a good story. I know. We really. It's funny. We really love happy accident stories, and they really do come around a lot. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a good one. Also terrifying. <laughs> like imagine yeah. you're not expecting it to light <laughs> on fire. I mean, I guess he knew it was going in a gun and stuff, so maybe he had some inkling. But... Knew that it was a little volatile. Yeah. yeah, but still, good thing he didn't like just wipe it off on his jeans. Yeah, for real. Uh, so, so he thought, oh wow, look at this thing. So he started making matches. So this was a mixture of antimony sulfide, potassium chlorate gum and starch there you go that's (laughs) what it is there's the recipe so he would um he i guess he first started it by just uh he he could run it between a folded piece of paper and it would light up so um run a match you mean like fold a piece of paper over a match and just pull it through yes okay through yeah something covered in this substance mixture that he came up with that I just described. You know. uh, sorry, but like the you would put that substance on the paper and then just drag a stick no, through it, or no, you would he have dipped the stick. Okay, in got it. it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I was picturing it first. So, like a, like a match. Yeah. Now, so he started selling what we would call matches. He called them friction lights in April of 1927. So that's like the first mass produced. You know, it wasn't even mass produced, but the first sold. Imagine how matches. crazy that would have been, though. Like when that came out. Like yeah. when that just hits the market one day and literally the market, you go to the market and they're yeah. like, hey, we have instant fire now. Do you want like, that? And you're like, how handy. Yeah, for real. Because they did not have good options. Except the lighter, which came out three years prior, I, I, I suppose. Yeah, I but guess still. so. And also back then, probably like who could afford a lighter? Probably no one. Yeah. And even back, like I've seen old lighters, not from 1823, but um, like old timey, like early 1900s, maybe like 1920s lighters, and I'm sure they came in all shapes and sizes, especially by the 20s. But there used to be like desk lighters, like it was it was mm. like something that would sit on your desk mm-hmm. that was um, I don't know, like larger than a stapler, and there was fuel in there, and you like pushed a little lever on one side, and then mm. this tiny little flame would pop up on the other side. So that it was like. Sense. You know, even that, okay, even if you had one in your house, yeah, you're, I don't know, that doesn't seem conducive to, like, reaching it into a fireplace or lighting a stove. You know, like, this is for sure a lot handier. Definitely. So, um, so he started selling them, um, but, uh, it, it became apparent pretty quickly that this wasn't necessarily great for widespread use because, so his was relying, I guess, on sulfur, so sulfur was coating the tip of the stick, and it often it would burn. I guess it like burned so quickly or strongly or something that it would detach. Like you know, when you light a match now, the match will burn down, and it basically all stays together. Like, yeah, it's just one piece. This the end would often fall off while it's on fire, and it would fall and destroy people's carpets and dresses. Oh, okay. And I'm sure so it would like burn down a house or two. Quickly burn through yeah. the stick itself, and then the 
the yeah. part that's on fire would just fall to the ground. So interestingly, oh yeah, that's not good. I never even thought about that. That matches are they're I guess, pretty good fine at tuned that. Yeah. to like not do that. Yeah. So um, probably like speculatively because of that, he never patented it. Because I think oh. he's like, this is not, I don't want to be liable for this yeah. or something. Um, so, f- funnily, because of that, uh, his invention was quickly copied by someone, this guy named Samuel Jones in London. The Samuel Jones? Yeah, the Samuel Jones. Oh, wow. Um, he started selling in 1929. So, very quick. This was two years later. He's ripped the guy off. Wait, you mean 1829? Yeah, what I oh, say. You said 1929. Oh, 1829. I think you did at least. Yes. And he called them Lucifers. Um, so oh, wow. he started selling Lucifers, and he somehow got them to the U.S., like marketed them to the U.S., and I think that guy probably did pretty well. I mean, it seems like a pretty easy sell anywhere on Earth. Yeah, Once totally. these things are safe and you're manufacturing them. Well, the fun them. fact is they're not safe. Ah, Lucifers cool. reportedly <laughs> could ignite explosively. They could throw sparks at a distance, and they had a very strong firework odor. Well, I mean, I guess with a name like Lucifer, you can't expect something expect? that's extremely safe. Well, I'm glad you but brought up the name there. because if you notice, thus far, I haven't said the word match. They um, Instant fires, what was the first one called? Um, Quick lights or something? What were they called? Friction lights. Uh-huh. Friction lights, now Lucifers, because the word match was already used for something else. It was used for, um, I feel like I've seen this, so if you can picture like a a piece of string, like, Uh I don't know, like a foot long or something, um, if it it was, a string like that would sometimes be dipped in sulfur, and you would use that string to light a candle, or a lamp, or even um, to set off a gun, to light, you know, to light a gun to have the... Uh, gunpowder explosion so that thing was called a match before i don't really think i know what you're talking about i feel like i've seen it before um in like a movie or yeah something? in like a movie yeah not yeah. in real life i don't um, think we use i mean it you're i i understand what you're describing but i actually no i don't think i've ever seen that but anyway yeah. that's a match so yeah so eventually they obviously started calling these matches i think I think we're coming upon that transition, but I thought that was interesting that in yeah. the beginning, match meant something else. So now we're at 1830, and um, we're getting back to phosphorus. So there's a guy now named Charles Soria, who we're still in the England. The Charles Soria. Yes, the Charles Soria. Wow. I, it's the one. Um, he... He reformulated the match using white phosphorus. So remember before it was like sulfur, I said, yeah. that um, that was falling off and lighting things on fire. So he reformulated using white phosphorus, which eliminated that strong odor. We all kind of know what sulfur smells like, Yeah, right? so it's when like you go rotten to the egg. ocean, yeah, and you're like, oof, it's The ocean? Here. Yeah, sometimes the ocean smells that way. Oh, weird. You don't like the ocean as much as I do. So you don't know how it stinks sometimes. (laughs) But anyway, so um, the white phosphorus eliminated the odor. However, and now we're getting into the dark history of matches, which is so, like, why is everything... I wasn't expecting a dark history. Neither was I. Um, Phosphorus is deadly. Phosphorus is bad for you. Um 
children who would get their hands on these matches, this is before we had all these PSAs about don't let kids play with matches, um, They, if they got their hands on matches and, like, put them in their mouths, they would develop skeletal deformities. Ooh. And then the worst part, which is the dark history that I'm about to get into, is the phosphor- is the factory workers who are making the matches. Because obviously they had the most exposure. Yeah. Um, just for reference, one pack of matches contained enough phosphorus to kill a person. Which Dang. is like, wow. Hopefully nowadays this would not happen, but that's where we were at. So, obviously, as as you were pointing out, as I was pointing out, this sounds like an incredible development in modern life, right? Having matches. So, it took off. Like, once people know about matches, across England, everyone wants matches. Matchmaking became huge business. Um, So, there were hundreds of factories that were making matches at this time. And especially back then, before there's all this automation and everything... How do things get made? Humans make them. Like, Mm -hmm. humans are in the factory making the things. So, literally, the workers are there dipping treated wood into the phosphorus mixture. Like, that's how they did it. They would dip it in and then they would cut it into, you know, into little strips like we know to rip off as matches. Um, Most of the... Wait, so these are like match books like the not matchbooks yet matchbooks okay. were not invented yet but um i get i'm assuming it's because you said paper still. to rip off like we do today well i well yeah so i guess they weren't doing that they were probably just chopping them into little pieces so it was like a matches in a little box a matchstick yeah a matchstick yeah. um so again at the at this time that we're talking about this is before any kind of labor laws. Um, most of the factory workers are women and children. Um, half of the empl- half of the employees in the whole industry were children who weren't even teenagers yet, younger than wow. teenagers. Um, so they worked with the white phosphorus. So they are physically in contact with it. Also, there's fumes in the air, and. This is so horrible, but there's this disease, I don't know what you call it, condition, mm-hmm. I guess. It's not a disease. It's a condition you develop. They called it fossy jaw. Fossy like phosphorus jaw. And it is a gruesome and debilitating condition from inhaling the phosphorus fumes. Oh my God. Um, approximately 11% of people developed this. And it causes the bone in your jaw to die and your teeth to decay, sometimes causing the loss of your jaw. Oh, this so is if you can hardly picture what that would look like, it's because it's horrifying. I most certainly did not look up any photos. Oh, and okay. I, would I was wondering encourage, if you came across it. <laughs> no, I, I don't think I would. I read something Maybe, that I can never unread. I wonder like, if there are photos this of this even. Oh, I'm sure there's photos of anything you want, and I encourage you to never look them up, okay. because why would you do this to yourself? Um, no, I, I even one thing I read about a woman who was suffering from this, it's just horrifying. Um, and so not only are you like losing your teeth and your jaw think about that you can very much see when that has happened to a person Mm -hmm. so if that happened to you 
you often could not get hired at other factories now because you were like a symbol of how this is bad for you and they didn't want to associate you with the factory. So people would like have to lose their job because they're sick and then once they literally like lose their job oh i see what you're saying yeah get past that and try and be like okay now how do i still feed my family they won't hire you because they said that you make um, the company look bad historical records yeah they they compared uh people who had the sufferers of fossey jaw um with leprosy because it was like a very obvious physical disfigurement and it carried a huge social stigma isn't that crazy? That is very sad, very um, gruesome. Yeah. Gross. It's awful. Yeah. So eventually, people stopped using white phosphorus in matches. It even became outlawed in the United States by 1910. Smart. So this is this is positive, but ter- that was terrible, right? Yeah, not before its reign of terror mm-hmm. in England, was it? Yeah, that was mostly in England. I, I bet it was in other places too, but it seemed like that was kind of the epicenter of it. Yeah. So now let's go ahead to 1844 with some happy news. So um, the the creator of now the most popular match design in the world is a Swedish man whose name I'm about to butcher, but let's say <laughs> let's go. Gustav Erik Posh. Actually, that was probably pretty good. What that else sounded easy. Um, Gustav so, Eric, you're two thirds of the way there. True, and then Posh, it's not that bad. So he um, invented the safety match. So what? So you and I talked about in the intro um, uh, strike anywhere matches versus safety matches. Mm-hmm. So I know the difference now. What they are? Oh, so, okay. So a safety match is the match that strikes on a, a box, or yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure any. Yeah, yeah. Any matches that you get in a little matchbook nowadays, uh-huh. those are safety matches. Most matches are safety matches nowadays. Uh, pretty much unless it's labeled Strike Anywhere, it's a safety match. So Strike Anywhere matches, to simplify because I might as well, um, it's like all of the ingredients needed to make the fire happen upon friction all of them are on the tip of a strike anywhere match. Okay. So that's why everything you need is on there. You can just swipe it against your, you know, brick or anything kind of rough. Yeah. It'll light. Safety matches will not light because again, just for simplicity's sake, only half of the chemicals needed are on the tip of the match. The other half are on the strip. So you actually have to hit those two against each other if the chemical reaction is going to happen. That is going to... It's still friction, but like you need those chemicals present um, in order for the fire to happen. I mean, that that does seem a lot safer. Yeah, it's a lot... It's way safer, um, and I think it's just like, why not? Yeah. So going back to what you said in the beginning, I did read that... So... um, now we we still use red phosphorus um i think on the i don't remember if it's on the tip of the match or on the band or on the swiping band yeah we still use red phosphorus and apparently when you first light a match and this sounds familiar to me there's like a little white smoke uh sure and that is white phosphorus like a little bit of white phosphorus is created when you strike a match i bet that's that bad smell you were talking probably, about see i'm probably starting to Don't get fossy jaw you'll get fossy jaw 
Don't do it. I told you I didn't like that smell. Yeah. So now we're going to head, we're getting to the end here. Now we're going to head to 1892. I really just, I think, included this guy because his name is funny. I'm going to say his name is Joshua Pussy. (laughs) (laughs) It's P-U-S-E-Y. Good luck to that gentleman in middle school. But he was from Philadelphia. He invented the the match book. Uh (laughs) So as you were asking before, and I corrected myself, no, they didn't have matchbooks until 1892. This guy created them. However... He, for some reason, he put the striking surface on the inside, so, like, all 50 matches would light at once. (laughs) On purpose? Maybe he just didn't have a better idea, because it sounds like pretty quickly the Diamond Match Company purchased his patent and, like, immediately moved it to the outside. (laughs) (laughs) They're just, like, walking away, shaking their head, like, you idiot. Yeah, so, um, you know, so... But, but good for that guy. I had to throw him in. Yeah. Um, and then we do have, um, by 1910, the uh, United States banned white phosphorus and, and actually forced Diamond Match to give up their patent. They had a patent on, I guess, white phosphorus matches, and they forced them to yield their patent. And then Congress passed a law um, that put a prohibitively high tax on white phosphorus matches. So... I guess they just, like, covered it on all fronts. Like, said you're not allowed to, to make them. Also, if you do make them, we're going to charge you an extra 50 bucks per matchbook or, or something. Or maybe importing them was that much more expensive. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that probably was it, too. So, so basically, since eight, 19, People are like, 10 on. government's not going to tell me what to do. I want my white phosphorus matches. <laughs> I want my whole jaw to fall out my head. Don't. Let's not look up photos. It sounds horrifying. I never will, I swear. Anyway, so nowadays, um, in many places in the world, lighters have largely replaced matches, but obviously matches are still made and used. We all use matches still. I'm sure, like, if you're a person who lights anything on fire ever in your house, you probably (laughs) have matches. Um, Today, the Diamond Match Company which is the biggest match company. Sure. Um, uh, makes more than 12 billion matches a year. And then in That's the United lot. States, because, you know, they, they Diamond makes a lot of matches, but also there's a lot of just not, like, whoever's making all these matches we get at restaurants yeah. and hotels and whatever. Um, so approximately 500 billion matches are used in the United States every Whoa. year. Whoa. In the yeah. U.S.? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 500 billion yeah that makes no sense that's how many are used that's ridiculous it's people need to light things on fire <laughs> well slow down holy crap yeah it's pretty it's it's a lot but i like it i only have one fun fact okay besides that that was a fun fact so let's say i have yeah two i'm fun kind facts. of i'm very I know you're skeptical. This skeptical. is going to turn into a whole thing where you guys are going to get to leave this podcast. Now, I'm going to have to listen to Zach do math for the next four hours about how unrealistic it is that people in the United States use 500 billion matches a year. But we'll get to That's the bottom of it, it's I promise That's not true. It's Easter. You. I'm not going to do that. Oh, thank you. I you're appreciate welcome. it. You're welcome. Um, this isn't even that fun a fact. I'm really sorry. Uh, All right. Well, you're going to hear about this after. <laughs> there's, Go on. So, people who collect match related items so people who collect matches matchbooks 
you know, things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, it's called Philumeni. What is it? Philumeni? Philumeni? Philumeni. Okay, so that's people who are into matches. With which people pH. are. People collect matchbooks. Yes. I mean, matchbooks are awesome. Name. Like yeah. when you get them from different... Uh, we used to collect matchbooks kind of. I forgot well, about we that. we do Remember? collect them, but, <laughs> but to me, we collect them to use them because I like them. Right. I like yeah. to like I mean, candles. I'm sure a lot of people are like this, but for yeah. a long time, like the first... I don't yeah. know. For a couple years there, I, it was like anywhere we walked in, if they had matches, we were for sure leaving with one and I'm putting it in that, that same little pot. Yeah, I guess yeah. I am too. We just haven't been anywhere we just in a long time. Gone anywhere. Um, we're that gonna get and out soon. I feel like matches, you know, in a fish bowl on the counter are probably becoming less and less common. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think collecting matches is very cool. Yeah, I think it's a fun thing to do because it reminds you of places you've been, but it's also useful. And so they're, they're so they're just cool. Clutter. It's the tiny little yeah. artwork. Like, yeah, I exactly. love that. Yeah, yeah. But I and and anything that you can collect, but then like kind of use and then it can leave is my kind of collection. There you go. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, what do you think? I know you were excited about this topic. Did did it live up to your expectations? Yeah, I think this was this was great. I mean, I it kind of went the way I was thinking it would go, which I'm very happy with. Great. Yeah. So glad. It's an interesting timeline. Was it? Was I right that there wasn't a lot of conflicting information? Was it kind of no, just like... No, I mean, you're kind of wrong because you heard that long history. Anytime you have yeah. a long history with a bunch That's of different true, people... That's true, with all sorts yeah. of different like pre-invention iterations yes. of kind of the same thing that's a good point i didn't consider that yeah and it and it did get like sciencey at point you know i mean i tried to get it as unsciencey as possible but i think you made it flow thank you yeah yeah because it because i and you know as we do with these i'm sure you um i know you must do this too like you get to a certain point where it's like i need to pull out the things that seem to be um, popping up the most that are the most relevant and the most interesting. I saw for sure. several other people involved in this history. You know, other people who did other things at different times. But but again, like like I just said, it it conflicts. Some say this guy did this at this time. Some say he did something else at a different time. Like, yeah. Um. I think that's just the nature of history, which is really interesting, and and it makes me feel like you know. It, there's there's no real truth after a while. It just becomes like the stories that we tell, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. You know, that's just human nature, I think. Um, but but yeah, it's hard to isolate and be like, did I tell you the exact truth of matches? No, but also who? I don't think anyone knows it anymore. You know, there's just been what's written down, and there's conflicting information here and there. Yeah, but we. But I don't we think got anyone's gonna idea. hold you to it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. We got the idea, yeah. and most importantly, we validated that fact that is matches were invented after, after lighters. lighters. Yeah, very cool. I think that's great. It is great. <laughs> it's great. Wait, okay. okay. Before we go, I thought this was fun. Zach did it the first time. I'm doing it now. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at 30 Minute Expert Podcast, where you can see cool photos of all the things we talked about today. And send us suggestions for future episodes. Also, if you're a real-life expert on one of the topics we covered, write to us and let us know what we missed. You can email us at 30MinuteExpertPodcast, that's 30MinuteExpertPodcast at gmail.com. 
If it's something especially interesting, maybe we'll read it on the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe. And if you're really enjoying it, write a review. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye.